This podcast is brought to you by Norfolk Southern. With technology like data crunching supercomputers and NASA like dispatch centers, they are developing a safer, more reliable railway that is redefining the world of transportation. See how Norfolk Southern is reimagining possible at nsrailtech.com. From Washington, this is Political Theater, Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. Congress is back, and lawmakers need to wrap up a little bit of business before the start of the next Congress in January, the so-called lame duck session. But they also need to orient the newly elected members and teach them how to run their offices, inform them of ethics rules, and show them how to get to the bathroom. With me on political theater today is Catherine Tully McManus, our staff writer at Roll Call, who follows the operations of the House and Senate, and she's going to give us a little breakdown of freshman orientation and what it entails and why it's important to pay attention in these situations. Catherine, welcome. Great to be here. So let's just give a sort of a small overview of of freshman orientation. The election was low, you know, last week. Uh, it, It seems like it was longer ago. We still have some outstanding races, but still life goes on and freshman orientation is part of that. It's usually part of any lame duck session of Congress. We have a bunch of newly elected members and a bunch of outgoing members in, in town. Let's talk about what these new members of Congress, who haven't even been sworn in for the most part, there are a couple who won special elections and have been sworn in, but for the most part, we have a bunch of new people. What are they doing this week? They arrived on Tuesday after Veterans Day in D.C. They are staying down in the Navy Yard neighborhood of Washington. Freshman orientation this year is not on Capitol Hill itself, which is new. I've been told that they're at a new location because they needed a bigger space. It's a huge freshman class coming mm-hmm. into the 116th Congress. It is a mix of fun and business. Good morning. My name is Dan Muser. I uh, will be representing PA9, Pennsylvania's 9th Congressional District. What are you uh, wishing to accomplish now? Well, a lot, right? There's a, there's a lot on the on the table. We uh, need to uh, understand the rules. We need to uh, be sure that we've uh, know um, what direction we're going when it comes to offices and staff, and uh, certainly some briefings on policy. Uh, but just you know, you got to respect the level of information that will be helpful in order to uh, be able to do the job well and uh, and run your office properly. You know, I've been in business for 25 years and served as revenue secretary for the Commonwealth, so I feel I'm ready for this. But uh, hey, the more information, the better. Yesterday, I saw the new members-elect chatting and getting to know each other over coffee and uh, dry pastries uh, at the (laughs) hotel where it's being hosted. You know, a lot of saying to staff, have I met her before or did I just see her on TV? Did they cut me a big check for my election campaign um, <laughs> kind <and> of thing? <laughs> also some great chatter among the incoming members about seeing each other at fundraisers previously, but now they get to work together and that fundraising, while it's probably on a hiatus for a few weeks, will be back in earnest quite soon. It is freshman orientation, which gives it almost sort of a collegiate type vibe, right? I mean, and it does almost feel like a like the first couple of days of, of school, correct? Absolutely. They are all staying in the same hotel. Uh, so that has that dorm-like element. They will eat many meals together. And that is actually 
one of the top costs associated with the orientation. The number one cost is housing them all and their staff. uh, And the number two cost is the catering associated. So last night, Statuary Hall was decked to the nines with crystalware and tablecloths and beautiful tables laid out for the first of two freshman dinners. But there also is a serious element, and that is the briefings that are hosted by the House Administration Committee, laying out what members need to know, how to run their offices, what the rules and regulations are, both for them and their staff, who, frankly, probably haven't even been hired yet. Mm -hmm. And they do need to take that seriously, because as we've seen in the last few months, going astray of those rules can lead members in hot water, including federal indictments and we haven't seen this in a long time, but expulsion from the chamber. Yeah, that, that brings up a good point. I mean, a lot of campaign staff, particularly for, you know, these big classes, they'll make the transition to being staff. Uh, they'll, they'll be, you know, those are usually the people high up in the campaign who become chiefs of staff or they become legislative directors or, you know, if they're more junior, maybe they'll be a legislative correspondent or a press secretary. Running a congressional office, even a congressional office in the back benches, even if you're in the minority in the back benches, is still a fairly big endeavor. I mean, you you need to. It's like running a business. It is government service, but it's also like you know, a, a running a small business where the public is you know your scrutiny. I mean, you're not sort of you're not selling a product so much as you're selling yourself and you're selling the government service. And if you mess up on the myriad of rules. Um, I mean, some of them are small infractions, but they can also land you in in legal jeopardy. Absolutely. There's been a lot of talk in recent weeks about how much Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the Democrat from the Bronx, uh, has in her bank account. And she has made statements about the cost of living in D.C., uh, which I can attest to. It is high. That's very funny. Um, I don't need to move to D.C. until work starts anyway, and I'm really taking this time to relish the last couple of months that I have full time with my communities in the Bronx and Queens. And so, um, But on Fox News, they've been talking about how can she say that she can't afford an apartment, et cetera, et cetera. And on Twitter, there have been so many offers that I've seen of people saying, you can stay with me. And she will learn this week that accepting an offer like that or a discounted rent or um, any kind of benefit, even from people that she's never met before, is considered a gift and she can get in a lot of trouble. And I don't mean to single her out because she's doing anything wrong yet. I'm just saying uh, she'll be learning about that this week. And I've already seen some offers that she should not take. Well, and, you know, one of the jokes that I saw sort of making the rounds was that uh, maybe she can get that $50 a night uh, <laughs> or $50, a, you know, deal that Scott Pruitt, the former uh, EPA administrator, got and which helped drum him out of, of public life. I mean, th- these are sort of serious. I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by the Ocasio-Cortez story. I mean, some people say this is not a story. It is expensive to live in Washington, especially if you're 29 years old. You you're, probably aren't going to have as many assets as somebody who's in their 50s or say and, and has spent an entire career building up a, a nest egg or a bank account, if you will. But it is extraordinary, which means it is news. I mean, it, it's it's not something that we see every day. I mean, and this is part of the of the story, you know, of of Congress. I mean, you've been doing a lot of work on the demographics of this class. This is a younger class, a more diverse class. It's more, arguably, more representative of where the country is. But that also means that there are some people who are 
I mean, by the standards of Congress, certainly not all that wealthy and maybe, you know, they, they need to know, like, here are the parameters for what you can do. I mean, not nothing is free. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think something that I looked at last week was the new senator from Arizona, Kirsten Cinema. She holds a lot of student loan debt mm-hmm. uh, and does not have a lot of assets. We will learn a lot more about where members stand financially, these newly elected members, uh, when their financial disclosure reports are released, but that will not be for months and months. Something that is interesting is that there have been there's been a cohort of male Republican members who have been sleeping in their offices for years, mm-hmm. c- citing both the cost of living in D.C. and also... But they trying, don't want to sell out. They don't yeah, want to go Washington. They want to stick to their roots and say that their only residence is in their district. And that might work for them, but there's definitely been ethics questions raised about basically the electricity and the water and all the extra staff that it takes right, to clean up after someone who's been sleeping in their office as opposed to someone who leaves for the night and the, the rooms can be appropriately cleaned. But we haven't heard a lot of talk about these Democrats coming in declaring that they'll be sleeping in their offices. It, I will be interested to see if we have any great roommate pairings like we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. I know that at this point, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has only been talking about apartments, but she could get some great roommate situations with these freshmen. She's already posted some Instagram pictures from orientation, talking about her squad mm-hmm. among the freshman women, especially uh, non-white women. And we'll see if they end up uh, being roommates. That's a good spot to stop for a moment while we hear from our sponsor. You may know Norfolk Southern is the leading freight rail company that powers our nation's economy. But did you know they're also the innovation leaders that are reinventing the railroad as we know it? Using automated computing platforms, their freight rail network safely orchestrates the movement of hundreds of trains, while their data-driven predictive models can foresee maintenance problems weeks before they occur. And their virtual reality simulators are training crews more safely and effectively. With an array of new tech, Norfolk Southern is reimagining what's possible. Learn more by visiting nsrailtech.com. And we are back. Back to just the orientation. Yesterday was like the kind of the get to know you portion of the program. And they got their first like sort of in, sort of intro packets. They had the dinner and so forth. Uh, they are also going to get their offices. They're, they're going to do the, the office lottery, which is always this like, let's let's walk through this because I mean, even people on the Hill sometimes don't understand just almost how kind of funny and bizarre and consequential this can be. Absolutely. This is another thing that really strikes me as very much like college. Um, There are a huge range of options, some great and some terrible, for (laughs) office space on Capitol Hill. Um, If you want to be close to votes, you want to have, you know, a big office, you want to have a good entryway for constituents to wait, um, things like that. You do not want to be in, for example, the dreaded fifth floor of the Cannon House office building is notorious. That is the last choice for most members. The lottery will not happen until after the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, orientation is two weeks, and they are, this year they have to be split 
because right, of Thanksgiving because of the holiday, holiday in yes. the middle. No, good, good course, course correction there. So we have we have a little while to to find out how, all the different good luck charms that uh, that the freshmen will bring. I, I recall a couple of year a couple cycles back when Tom MacArthur was elected, and he uh, he he rubbed his own head, which was he's bald. You know, he, he rubbed <laughs> his own head for good luck right before he pulled pulled out his uh, his number to see where his office would be. And you know, the, these things can be kind of. I mean, again. Uh, adding to the collegiate sort of atmosphere, like the, 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 some of just what they do before they pull out their numbers is, is sort of amusing and, and kind of fun and kind of a bonding experience. Absolutely. And it does carry weight. I mean, just like a college housing lottery, once you pick that room, you are there and mm-hmm. you that's you've committed to that and you will be living and working there, some living more than others, <laughs> for the next foreseeable future. Um, and it really does make a big difference. And it it then becomes an issue of seniority further down the line. So if you kind of start at the bottom or the top of canon, it takes a long time to work your way up to a more favorable office situation. And I, I'll state too that the Senate does have its own sort of version of orientation, but because there are so few people relative to, I mean, we're not talking about 60 new, 60, 70 new people, you know, arriving. We're talking, you know, like under 10 uh, from any any one cycle to another. I mean, it's extraordinary if you have more than 10 new senators out of a out of a cycle. Uh, so those the the newly elected, uh, some of whom were House members, <laughs> like up, up until. Uh, it, it, through this uh, Congress, are, that are going to be cycling over. You mentioned Kirsten Cinema; she's um, heading over from the House to the Senate. Marsha Blackburn, also in Tennessee, uh, is, was elected to the Senate. Kirsten Cinema has joked that she would like to keep her office because it's closer to her favorite workout spot on Capitol Hill. Oh, very <laughs> she good. likes that house side because it's closer to where <laughs> she works out. It, it, it is. Uh, it, it is kind of funny that the office space situation in the Senate it w- works on a l- slightly different level. I mean, people when people vacate office space in the in in the Senate office buildings. I mean, people like watch over like a hawk and it almost kind of goes by seniority. There's there isn't a lottery per se uh, like there is in the House because there just there are fewer offices. But there are, the dynamic the inner dynamics are again the same. I mean, it's it's location, location, location. Correct. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But for now, none of those incoming senators have offices. But there has been a lot of talk. Uh, Mitt Romney's name is already up on a temporary office in. The Russell, Russell, Senate, the, Russell, yeah, the Senate Russell office building the, basement. Right. <laughs> um, and, yeah, something that he will get to know well is it won't be as glamorous as his office at the State House on Beacon Hill in Massachusetts <laughs> or probably his office with the Olympic Committee. Mm-hmm. Um, he's used to being a top dog, and now he's a, a freshman. He's one one of 100. You had a relatively busy day. The same day that Congress came back, you were watching uh, watching over the freshman orientation, and then you did uh, you went over to our parent company, Fiscal Notes Reinvent uh, Summit, where you talked about some of the uh, fallout from the Me Too movement, and then went back to Capitol <laughs> Hill to work on some stories, some workplace uh, issues, uh, which I will not give away yet. But but I mean, you were kind of surrounded by all these new members. What was the the thing that you heard the most? I mean, what what's the what was the vibe that you got, or the question that you heard the most as you were surrounded by all the newbies? I definitely heard a lot about just the excitement and the positive energy, um, especially among yeah the freshmen, incoming freshmen in the house. Uh, they were just so excited to get to know each other and to meet each other, 
and to start uh, building relationships that they know uh, will carry them through their legislative careers on Capitol Hill. Veronica Escobar, I am the newest member for the 16th Congressional District in Texas. It's an incredible privilege, I'll tell you. It's, it's uh, as I was knocking on doors during the campaign, there was one moment in particular that was really humbling. It was a, a, a woman probably in about her 70s Latina who essentially cried on her doorstep saying she never thought she'd see the day when a Latina would represent her in Congress. And it moved me tremendously. And so many of them have been in high profile races. So getting to know the people that they have been reading about, especially people who had, uh, you know, won easily in a less uh, competitive districts, they are kind of less known to the media mm-hmm. and to uh, their fellow classmates. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of mixing and mingling. Looking they at you, so, Kendra Horn. Right, they were <laughs> we so had to excited. S- struggle to uh, write a quick bio on because nobody saw her winning on, on election night. Right. Yeah. Uh, I know last night uh, during House votes, uh, some of the freshman members were mingling around um, and uh, House Speaker Paul Ryan said to Ocasio-Cortez, hey, I know you, <laughs> and then introduced himself. Uh, I don't believe they have ever met before, but she was one of those extremely high-profile races defeating uh, incumbent Joe Crowley in the Democratic primary. She will be a recognizable face, whereas there are many uh, incoming House members that people may not recognize from TV, but they have a chance just like all the other freshmen. And one last uh, note, too, which is one of the weird things about these orientations is that if if a race hasn't been called and they're not sure <laughs> who who is going to prevail in a, in a particular House race, they'll ask both members, both potential members elect to to come if it's for an open seat. Yeah, they're so, technically so, still <laughs> candidates right? and they're being uh, feted like new members of right. Congress. Yes. And so, so they, you, you might have a situation where you go through freshman orientation and then you don't get to take office, which is, just seems kind of cruel almost. It does seem a little cruel, but it, I have to imagine it makes you feel very prepared to run again. <laughs> well, Catherine, thank you so much. I look forward to uh, continuing to follow this story uh, and your dispatches on it. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, NPR One, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, including the ones that Catherine is writing for Roll Call as we speak, you can visit RollCall.com or find us at Roll Call on Twitter. Thanks.